Hey there, I'm Adam Demetrician, the lead pastor at Pathways Church in Appleton, Wisconsin. And this is our podcast. I hope this message inspires you, feeds your faith, and ultimately leads you into a growing relationship with Jesus. Hey, good morning, Pathways. Hey, don't believe the lie. You are meant to fly. Just like that last song said, no more fear, no more playing it safe. Because here's the thing. You'll never live out your calling while relaxing in your comfort zone. See, it takes strength, it takes courage, it takes boldness. And that's what we're going to be talking about today in part two of our series called Bold, subtitled Pray Daringly. Our prayer today is simply this, God, give me great boldness. Now, what is boldness? Well, here's the definition of boldness. It's the willingness to take risks and to act innovatively confidence, or courage. And we need to be bold if we're going to discover and live into the calling that God has for us as human beings. Because here's the thing, all of us, every single one of you, whether you're on site or online today, you have a calling. So if you have a calling and you want to be a part of a great family or you want to be in an awesome marriage, it's going to take boldness. If you want to start a company or switch careers, or if you want to begin to serve here at Pathways or to tithe to God through Pathways, it's going to take courage. Or if you want to reach out for help and you need to admit that you have a problem in XYZ, or maybe you just need to step up and, and take a relational risk and share your faith. All of those things that I just named take a level of boldness. Now, let me just tell you what boldness is not. Boldness is not a personality trait. Listen, God flows through your personality, not against your personality. Because I have seen very quiet and reserved people be extremely bold. Secondly, boldness is not your favorite hype music. Have you ever been to the gym and you see somebody kind of getting hyped up, right? I don't know, maybe they're doing a class or it's some middle-aged guy acting like he's 22 years old again and he's got like his AirPods in. You just want to walk up like, dude, what are you doing? It's not like, it's not like that guy. It's not like walking up to some believer and saying, well, I'm, I'm trying to get my boldness on. I'm trying to get my boldness on for Jesus. No, 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 no. That's not boldness. Now here's the last thing. Boldness is not you trying to be something you are not. Friends, God has never called you to be something you are not. God doesn't need a cheap imitation of someone else. He needs an authentic you to trust in him and be confident in your faith and Jesus. Here's the deal. A true you, a true you is always better than the best imitation of someone else. So, Here's a question for us. Where does our boldness originate? Now, this is a key point. Listen, as followers of Jesus, our boldness on earth comes from the boldness Jesus gave us in heaven. Did you hear that? Our boldness on earth comes from the boldness that Jesus gave us in heaven. These verses highlight this key point. Listen to Hebrews 4.16. The writer says this, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, remember the definition? Courage, confidence, boldness, right? So that, purpose statement, we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Why can we approach God's throne of grace with confidence? Because we have this great high priest 
Jesus Christ, who has ascended into heaven. And when we put our faith in him, we get to go to the Father in faith, in boldness, with confidence, knowing that he will be there in our time of need. And according to 1 John 5, 14, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know we have what we asked of him. Now, now hear me. This is super important to catch this, okay? The key to those last two verses I just read to you is his will versus your will. Not your boldness. Your faith is in God, believing that he knows best and your prayer is being bold for his best in your life. It's not you trying to twist his arm or to work up your faith or to have some kind of boldness that gets him to jump on your wheel train, but rather saying, you know what? My confidence is this. My confidence is that you know what's best, God, and I am gonna depend on you. So this is the confidence that we can go to God with in heaven because of Jesus. So if this is the confidence that we can have, that we can go to God in heaven because of Jesus, then sometimes I wonder if the all-powerful God in heaven looks at, at our prayers, at my prayers and your prayers, and, and, and says to himself, that's almost an insult. Like, you're praying it's safe. Pray daringly. That's why we want to talk about this prayer today. God, give me great boldness. Everybody say boldness. So say it again. Boldness. That's better. So since we have this boldness in heaven, how does, how does this reality in heaven impact us on earth? Well, if boldness originates in heaven, then what does that have to do with my everyday life, with me being bold every single day? Bold behavior is born out of bold belief. See, we will never do what others won't when we believe what others don't. One of the core beliefs about boldness is to pray daringly. That, that when we come to the Father in prayer and bang on heaven's door, he fills us with boldness. By whom? By the Holy Spirit. When? When we need boldness the most. Here's another key point of today's message. When you pray daringly, the Holy Spirit fills you with boldness when you need it most. Let me show you what I'm talking about. If you have a Bible, go to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 4. Now, to give you some context, Peter and John, these two apostles, were preaching with great faith on the death, on the death and resurrection of Jesus. And they were praying for miracles. And there was this guy who had been unable to walk for 40 years. Can you even imagine? And they prayed for this guy and God miraculously healed this guy. And now he was able to walk. The only problem is that the Sadducees and the captain of the temple guard and some of the religious leaders thought that Peter and John were leading some kind of cultish movement. And so these leaders arrested Peter and John, put them in prison, put them on trial. And the next day before the Sanhedrin, who would have surrounded them in a circle according to cultural custom, they asked them this question. Here's the question. By what power or what name did you do this? And Peter responded, verse 10. Uh, he said, know this, 
that, that you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. <laughs> that, that was bold, like beyond bold. That's crazy, stupid bold. Because Peter is saying, basically, you killed him, but God raised him back. And one of the reasons that this was so bold, not just because of the fact that he said you killed him, but whenever Peter said God raised him from the dead, see, the Sadducees did not believe in any form of bodily resurrection. So what Peter was essentially doing was making a declaration of theological war. You did this, but God raised him, and now I'm declaring war. Because of his boldness, look at verse 13. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. So the religious leaders, they were taken back by their great boldness, that they were blown away. And you know, sometimes I wonder if that could be said of us. That the people would take note that we had been with Jesus or, or that we were more about impressing them by how extraordinary we are with our individual accomplishments. Because well, let's, let's, let's face it, we're, we're all ordinary, right? It's God. It's the God factor that makes us extraordinary out of our ordinariness when we choose to be with Jesus. Friends, the presence of Jesus is what makes you and me extraordinary. So suddenly, there's a little bit of a problem. See, the religious leaders have a guy that couldn't walk, but now he can. So there's obviously a miracle, but they're afraid of Peter and John that, that this Jesus movement is going to take over. So they've got to shut them down. So they threaten them. Look at verse 18. Then they called them in again, and they commanded them, not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. And Peter and John were like, hey, guys, we can't stop. Listen, fellas, we can't stop speaking what we have seen and heard. So we're either going to be judged by you for, for, for speaking up or judged by God for shutting up. And they had no choice. The religi religious leaders threatened them again. After further threats, then they decided to let them go. They thought that they had instilled some fear inside of these two guys. The religious leaders were like, okay, if you talk about Jesus, we'll arrest you. And you know what? We'll beat you. And then we'll even execute you. Don't talk about Jesus or you will be physically pay. So what do you think Peter and John did when they could potentially not only be physically beaten and tortured, but lose their lives? They did what you and I would do. They prayed. But let me tell you what these men did not pray. They didn't pray, oh God, keep us safe from the bad guys. Don't let anything bad happen to us. God, all I want is a nice synagogue with a comfortable congregation on the Mediterranean Sea. I just want to eat gyros and hang out and and suntan and have a beautiful, miraculous, miracle ministry. Oh God, I just want to be happily married. Oh, Jesus, you healed my mother-in-law. Now my wife, give me 10 kids with a safe little family. No, they didn't pray anything like that. Instead, they prayed 
with the threat of verbal, psychological, and physical death on the horizon, a very different kind of prayer because they knew following Jesus was never meant to be safe. Now, but before I share with you what they prayed, let me show you what they did first. Verse 23 says this, on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported that all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they, meaning the church, raised their voices together in prayer to God. Friends, do you know what this was called? You know what this, this, this gathering was called? This was the first church prayer meeting, like ever. The first time we see in the book of Acts and the first time recorded in the New Testament, this was the first prayer meeting. See, Peter and John knew that there was power in gathered prayer. There's power in agreement. When you combine your faith with hundreds of other people and confidently go after God, just think what he can do. Praying churches always see the power of God and Pathways is a praying church. You know, as one of our prayer leaders recently texted me, they said this, when the prayer meeting is the most important meeting, revival is just around the corner. And you know what? She's right because breakthrough follows pray through. Amen. Now, let me show you the prayer that they prayed. Oh, this prayer is so good. Listen, listen to this. This is dope pathways. Listen to what they're going to pray as a, as a, as a, as a community of believers in Acts chapter four, and what we're going to pray this week. Here's what they say. In 429, this is what they pray. Now, Lord, consider their threats. You, you know they're going to beat us and try to kill us. Consider their threats and enable your servants, watch this, to speak your word with great boldness. Make me bold, God. Make us bold. Give us unshakable spiritual convictions that we have the courage and the faith to obey you, no matter what the personal cost. God, even though it may be painful, make me bold. And all the religious leaders were amazed by their boldness. Question for you. How amazed are people by your boldness? Think about it. On a scale of like one to 10, one being the absolute lowest and 10 being the highest, how amazed are people by your boldness? Now, some of you, you might even be a little modest and say, oh, well, you know, like I'm a, I'm a seven or an eight. But the truth is you're a nine or 10 because everyone everywhere knows that, that you are, are on fire for God. Like you're bold. They know where you're stand, that you've been transformed by the grace of Jesus, that, that you have spiritual fruit in all that you do. And sometimes you speak up publicly and other times you don't even have to. Just your presence alone represents the goodness and the greatness of God. Everybody knows, whether they agree with you or not, they know that you are a committed disciple. You're a follower of Jesus Christ. You're up at like eight or, or a nine. Now, others of you, if you're really honest, you might say, yeah, I'm a Christian, but you know, I just, I don't talk about it much. I don't talk about church. You know, I'm, I'm probably more like a two, maybe a three. I'm on the lower end and you might be the one that when you're at work and, and you work with someone for like three or four years and they say, oh my word, you're a Christian? I had no idea. We've been working together side by side for like four years. Wait a second. What church you go to? Wait, you go, you go to Pathways? <laughs> well, I, 
well, I got a Pathways too. Like, what, what service do you go to? I had no idea that you're a believer. Now, pause right there. In other words, if we really drill down on what they're saying, they're saying this. I didn't see any real fruit. There, there's nothing in your life that ever gave me any evidence that you're a disciple of the one who gave his entire life for you. So let me ask you again. How amazed are people by your boldness? So Peter and John, right? After they prayed this bold prayer. So some, someone say that. After they prayed, after they prayed, verse 31. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Here's what I, I love about that. It was after they prayed, they were filled. Filled with who? Filled with the Holy Spirit. And what did the Spirit empower Peter and John to do? They spoke the word of God boldly. Now, don't be intimidated by that. I'm not asking you to take your Bible to school and stand on top of the, 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 the cafeteria table and declare the gospel. I don't want you to work and, you know, pull some move that's going to land you in the HR office. I'm not talking about that. I'm not, I'm not saying that you go home today to your unbelieving spouse and say, well, bless God, here's what we're going to do. This is what the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, repent and be saved. Like, no, 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 no. There's a lot of ways that the Holy Spirit may prompt you to be bold. You, you just may be in conversation with someone and suddenly you feel this urge to ask them, hey, do you, do you mind if I pray for you? And you're not even comfortable praying out loud. But the next thing you know, you're humbly calling heaven down and believing by faith for the power of God to touch this hurting person right in front of you. You may be in a meeting and there's something that's inappropriate and you just very kindly and appropriately say, no, 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 let's not, let's not do that. We can be better than that. You might be bold when everyone else is gossiping against someone and you just don't participate or you walk away or even bolder, you say, come on, come on, guys. Look, look let, let's be better human beings than that. You might be bold by dressing, dressing modestly in a culture where everyone else does anything but dress modestly. You might be bold enough to say, you know what? I'm just not hooking up. I'm not doing that hooking up thing. Like we can be friends, but I just want to let you know that I'm saving myself. Now that's really, really bold. Or you might see someone that's hurting and say, hey, I'm going to bring you to church this way. I'm not just inviting you. I'm bringing you. There's a difference between inviting and bringing. Some of you have been inviting, but, but now you just want to start bringing someone. That's boldness. My point is this. There are so many different ways that God might empower you through the Holy Spirit. When you have the courage to pray, make me bold. What would happen every day this week if you would set an alarm on your phone or before you went to class or to work or before you got in the shower, whatever you do, wherever you go, and you just take a few moments to say, God, give me great boldness today the confidence to believe you that you are going to show up and do only what you can do. I, I wonder what opportunities, I wonder what possibilities God might open up for you. Let, let me close with this song. Sometimes we ask for a person's signature. When we ask for their signature, we'll call it their John Hancock. Hey, hey, 
Can I have your John Hancock? You've probably heard this before, right? Well, that saying was coined because of the 56 signatures on the Declaration of Independence. See, one signature stands out above all the rest. That signature belongs to, yeah, you got it, John Hancock. He was the first to sign the declaration and he signed it so large and so legibly that, that the King of England could read his name without using glasses. John Hancock wanted it to be very clear where his allegiance lay. His commitment to his country was so clear that when King George III offered amnesty to all who would cease fighting, John Hancock was among the select few who were left out of the offer. Has your signature let your king know of your dedication, your commitment, and your boldness to his kingdom?